I got an email about a week ago from the uh, Jews for Jesus organization that uh, we sometimes send money to to support their ministry. The Jews for Jesus are uh, Messianic Jews uh, who have converted to Christianity, but their mission now is to go back to those who are Jews and help them understand that the Jesus who has come is the Messiah. And it's a, it's a great organization. They do some really fantastic work. But uh, in the email, there was a video from the head of Jews for Jesus, and he was uh, letting us in on a worship experience that was going on. What was interesting was the worship was taking place in a bunker in Israel. And they, he was talking about the fact that in the midst of all of the fighting and the midst of all the chaos that's going on in that region of the world, that they are not only continuing their ministry, but that they were gathering together with the, all the stuff going on on the outside. They were gathering together to praise God in this bunker. And I thought to myself, you know, that, that may be an absolute perfect picture of the kind of worship that God really desires. Not just worship when everything is at peace, but worship in the midst of the chaos. Amen? Yeah, we've been in this series called The Power of Thankfulness. And for the last few weeks, we've been talking about how thankfulness, when we really develop that kind of attitude and heart with God, how, how it changes our, our lives. Uh, today, I, I want to talk about uh, this topic from, from a position that may be a little bit challenging for most of us, and that is I want to talk about praising God in the pits. You know, it's, it's easy to praise God when everything's going well, but how about when the bottom drops out of life? and things don't go so well, can you have a thankful heart then? I want you to look with me in a passage of scripture. If you wanna take your sermon outlines out, if you'd like to take notes, we'll throw everything up on the screen for you. But I want you to look at, at a passage from, from Psalm uh, 40. David was certainly an individual who had his share of ups and downs through his walk with God. And yet David always found it within him to praise God no matter what he was going through. And I want you to look at the passage for today. Psalm 40, David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Let me stop right there for a second. How many of you are like me and waiting patiently is not really in your DNA? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me and he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and he steadied me as I walked along. He has given me what? A new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. I love from Psalm 34, verse one. This is just a great passage. It's kind of the, it's our memory verse for today and it's our, our verse I think we wanna just build everything around. Read it out loud with me. It says, I will praise the Lord <clears throat> at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Now, if you're, again, if you're a note taker, I want you to circle that phrase, at all times. I, I will praise the Lord at all times. And then I want you to circle the word constantly. I will constantly Speak his name. Now, just a, a moment of reflection. Is that your heart? Are you one of those who can praise God 
at all times, no matter what you're going through, is praise a continual way that you operate in your walk of faith. Well, if you can, there is just great power in that. In fact, I, I love, I saw this quote last week, throw that up on the screen for me. <clears throat> it says, if you can praise God during the tough times, then you already have the victory. Amen? If you can praise God in the tough times, then you already have the victory. Now, I want, I want to take a few moments and I want to unpack this idea for you. Um, what does praising God in the pits, what does it, what does it uh, do for us? Uh, what is it uh, a sign of in our own walk of faith? Why is it so important? Are you ready? Let me, let me just give you a few thoughts that I think may help us this week as we journey through this. Here's the first one. When we praise God in the pits, it's an act of spiritual maturity. Praising God in the pits, it's actually an act of spiritual maturity. Now, how many of you aren't afraid to admit publicly that you've had children through the years? <laughs> Come on, hand, hold him, hold him up high. I apologize too. Yes, 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 we do. How many of you have, your children have acted in ways that have embarrassed you at times? Anybody? Yeah, this week. Yeah, this week. Yeah. It's so interesting because what we learn as parents is that kids don't respond with maturity. Kids just, they, they respond to the things going on around them. They respond to all this other stuff, but they really don't respond in mature ways. And that's part of why growing up is so important. I, I love how Jesus expressed this in his parable about the sower when he talks about the sowers out sowing the seeds. And he talked about how, how some multiplies and really grows, but there's some other of that seed that gets planted where the word of God gets planted in people's lives, but it doesn't really take root. It doesn't really produce fruit. Why? Well, he explains some of that from Mark chapter four. He says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately they receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. Read it with me. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Jesus said, if you're really gonna survive in this journey of faith, you gotta have deep roots. Because here's the deal. Life is gonna go up and down. Life is gonna be filled with all kinds of struggles, all kinds of problems, all kinds of issues, and you've gotta have a faith that can hold on through all of that. That's why praising God in the pits is so important. Now, what does maturity look like? Let me just give you three thoughts this morning. One, maturity means our faith is not determined by our circumstances. Faith is not determined by our circumstances. Come on, let's, let's be honest. There are some of us that our faith in God is strong as long as everything's going okay. Look at me. But it doesn't take any faith to believe in God when everything's going okay. It's when everything is not going okay, that's when faith really, really comes in. It's, it's, it's that, faith that, that faith that says no matter what's going on around me, I still believe that God is on his throne and I'm gonna stay true to him no matter what. That's a faith that hangs in regardless of the circumstances. This is what Paul was talking about in Philippians. Remember we referred to this last week. Paul was in jail in Philippians. 
And he was, in, he was actually put in jail for preaching the gospel. And Paul, in, in chapter four of Philippians, Paul says, you know what? I, I've gone down the road of life. I know what it's like to have a lot. And I know what it's like to have very little at all. I've known the good times. I've known the bad times. And then he says this. I've learned the secret to be content no matter what the circumstances. And here's what he says. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Now, I want you to just camp on that. Paul says, it doesn't matter if I'm in jail. It doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm, if I'm sitting in a jail cell or, or I'm standing in the temple. It doesn't matter because God is still on his throne and I'm gonna have faith regardless of the circumstances. That's maturity. Secondly, another sign of maturity is that our faithfulness isn't determined by our feelings. Our faithfulness isn't determined by our feelings. One of the hardest lessons of growing up is doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. You with me? You know, kids aren't like that. Anybody ever have a kid that goes, I don't wanna go to school. You know, I don't wanna take out the trash. I don't wanna cut the grass. I don't wanna put on those clothes. I don't want to eat my vegetables. Have I hit yours yet? Yeah, yeah. How many of you have kids that have done this? I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't feel like it. Well, that's wonderful, but do you make them do it anyway? Of course you do. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. What kids don't understand is life is always going to be this way. You know, I'm over 30 years old now. And I've discovered you never stop having to do things you don't really want to do. Trust me, it's just that way. And so you do it. But we do this sometimes. Isn't it funny how we get into this in our faith? You know, we, we let our feelings dictate our journey with God. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like witnessing. I don't feel like tithing. I don't feel, well, that may be wonderful, but you know what? If you're gonna be mature, you're not driven by your feelings. You're driven by your commitment. Does this make sense to you? And that's a part of that spiritual maturity that says, you know what? Uh, it's not determined on how I feel. I'm committed to God. God is faithful, trust me. God is faithful to us even when he's not so happy with us sometimes. We ought to be the same. Can I give you one more? Our love for God is not dependent upon our blessings. Our love for God is not depending on our blessings. Jesus said, the greatest commandment is this. What's it say, church? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now look at me, just hear my heart. If someone's to walk up to you and ask you this question, why do you love God? Would it be because of who he is and his provision for you through Christ? Or would it because, be because of all the nice things he does for you? Come on. You see, sometimes if we're honest, in our journey of faith, we love God when he's given us stuff. But what about when he doesn't? give us stuff. Come on, parents, stay with me. How many of you parents have refused to get your kids something only for them to get mad at you? 
Even though you've given them tons of things in the past, you refused that one thing. In fact, how many of you, come on, this, this, let's confess. How many of you, you have had kids that have said, I hate you? Yeah, some of you are going, I'm not holding my hand up. My kids said that this morning. You know, I just, you know. And why? Because that's immaturity. Because our love is just dependent upon the things that we get. I, I read a blog by a guy. It was so sad. This, this guy was writing his blog, and he was talking about when he was a kid, he said, there was one year that our family went through incredible financial hardship. And he said, my dad was just a really faithful dad, you know, always put food on the table, always made sure that we had a place to live. And he said, but he said one, one year, he said, the, like a week before Christmas, he said, my dad sat down with both of us boys and he said, I am so sorry, guys. We have no money, none. There is nothing. We, we have no money to buy you Christmas presents this year. And it breaks my heart. And the boy said, this guy who's writing the blog said, I didn't believe my dad. He said, I didn't believe him. He said, so on Christmas morning, I, he said, I woke up and I was all excited. <coughs> and he said, I, I ran downstairs and, and there were no presents. He said, I was so mad. He said, I said horrible things to my father. He said, I told, you know, I told, he said, I said all of this stuff. He goes, I look back and I am mortified as an adult looking back on what I said as a child because I couldn't get past the fact that there wasn't something there for me. What's he talking about? That's immaturity. As a mature adult, he gets it. He gets it. That, that our love has to be there for who God is and what God has provided through his son, Jesus Christ. And if that's, look at me, and if that's all that God did for us, that's more than we deserve. Amen? That's more than we deserve. The second uh, part of this idea of, of praising God in the pits, and you may not have thought of this before, but, but when we give thanks in the hard times, it provides a shield for us against the enemy. It provides a shield for us. Now, think this thought with me for a second. Do you believe that the enemy exists? Guarantee. <laughs> I'll never forget. It was just the funniest thing for me. I was standing in a grocery line years ago, and... I don't know if they still do this or not. They, they used to have the tabloids right there on the checkout line when you go out of a grocery store and all these, you know, somebody had an alien baby or, you know, there's all this crazy stuff that they do. And I, I remember walking out of this grocery store and this tabloid on the front page paper, it said, the devil is dead. His bones have been found in New Mexico. <laughs> and it had a picture of a skull with horns coming out of it. And I just started laughing. I just started laughing. And I'm thinking, if he's dead, then you want to tell me who's been bugging me all week long, man? You know what I'm saying? The devil is real. And just as sure as you believe in God, you better understand that there is an enemy out there. And he is not your friend. In fact, this is what Peter says in 1 Peter 5. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like what? like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stay firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Now, when we talk about the enemy attacking us, 
How do you think he does that? You know, generally when we think of the devil, we think of someone who's, you know, tempting us. Come on, Steve, have that really big piece of chocolate pie, you know, and you know, have something that you know you shouldn't have. We think, of, we think of temptation. But do you know what the enemy's greatest tool against Christians is? Discouragement. It's discouragement. You see, when we're going through, when we're in the middle of that pits, that's when, again, it's, it's like a lion watching a herd of antelope and, and sees one start limping. Does he chase all the healthy ones? No, of course not. He, he goes after the one that's limping. Why? Because it's weak, it's vulnerable, and, and so he attacks. And that's exactly what the enemy does with us. He, he sees us in a vulnerable stage, and so he starts whispering things in our ear like, look, God has abandoned you. Look, prayer doesn't work. Look, you must have done something really wrong. And he, he takes our discouragement, and he tries to make our darkness darker. That's why we have to praise God in the pits. Because when we praise God, we push back against those lies of the enemy and we create this shield that helps all of that stuff to begin to bounce off just a little bit. I love how Peter, or, uh, David said it in Psalm 28. He says, praise be to the Lord for he has heard my cry for mercy. Read it with me. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. That's why I put this statement. Any of you have been in athletics, you understand this. The best defense is a good offense. In other words, my best defense against the enemy, man, is leaning into praise with all my heart because he has a hard time breaking through when I'm giving thanks and I'm praising the Lord. There's a, a, a great story from Skituit, Massachusetts. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. That's a, a lighthouse that was built in 1810. And um, shortly thereafter, uh, if you remember your history, the War of 1812 broke out and the United States was once again at, at war with England. And... Uh, the guy who was the, the head of the light keeper there, um, he and his wife had to go to town. They had to actually row across the bay uh, to get to town. And he left his two young girls uh, behind. They were cleaning the glass in the lighthouse that particular day. And um, as, the, as when the folks were gone and the girls were cleaning, they looked out and they saw a ship um, coming into the bay area. And they looked and they didn't really recognize the ship and as it got closer, they finally re realized this is a British ship. And uh, twice the British had landed at the Scituate area and had sent their troops in to kind of ravage the area. And they realized we have no way to help them, uh, have, help the town. We don't have time to try to row over to the town and get the word out. We, what, you know, they weren't sure what they were going to do. The girls' names were Rebecca and Abigail Bates. And uh, Rebecca had this idea, and so she grabs Ab Abigail's hand, and she says, come with me. And they run down the stairs of the lighthouse, and Rebecca finds an old drum and a fife, lying like a flute, and they went out and they hid in the bush. And sure enough, the ship lowered two uh, small boats of soldiers, British soldiers, and they were rowing toward the shore. And when they got close enough, 
Rebecca had Abigail play, and they started playing the fife to Yankee Doodle Dandy and beating on that drum. And as that sound echoed out across the water, the British thought to themselves, the militia saw us coming, and the militia's alerted, and they're on their way, and they didn't want to meet the militia head on. And so they turned their two boats around, went back to the ship, and took off. And there's actually a memorial at Skituit at the lighthouse for Rebecca and Abigail. Throw that picture up on the screen of, 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 of Rebecca and, and Abigail. And it talks about an army of two. The day an army of two turned back the entire British army. <laughs> what a great day. Look, look at me. You got to get this. And you and God are an army of two. Amen. Amen. You are. You're an army of two. You see, it doesn't matter how many times the enemy comes against you. It doesn't matter what ways the enemy comes against you. It doesn't matter what he does. We have, be, we have become overcomers through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. It's a shield. There's a third uh, thing that praising God in a pitch does. And I, I touched on this last week. And let me touch on it again is that when we praise God in the pits, it keeps us faith-focused rather than fear-focused. When we praise God, when things are down, we keep, it helps keep us faith-focused rather than fear-focused. Now, you remember last week, I talked about this, that what gets your mind gets you. And so it's really important that we keep our mind focused on things of faith. That's why Hebrews says, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Because whatever you focus on the problem, the problem gets bigger and bigger. You focus on the pain, the pain gets greater and greater. You focus on something to praise about. You focus on giving thanks to God. And what begins to happen is you begin to feel the faith that comes with that, I, I love, again, I love how Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, for our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. Read it with me, church. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Now, I, I know, I, I know some of you are walking through really hard places. I, I know, I, I get that. And, and I know some of you may be thinking, well, Pastor Steve, that's really, that's really easy for you to say, you know, you're not in the, you're not going through all the stuff that I'm having to go through. And that, it's true. But I, wanna, I want you to hear the testimony of someone who has walked through some pretty tough stuff. And yet they found this whole concept of keeping their eyes fixed on Jesus, what kept their eyes above water. Uh, some of you may have seen it in the news last week. Uh, a member of our congregation, Sonia Blackburn, uh, was able to ring the bell for the, her completion of her cancer treatment and cancer-free, and it was a big, a big moment. But Channel 9 actually did a segment on Sonia because of her faith in Jesus Christ. Watch this. An Oklahoma woman facing all kinds of health challenges was dealt with a potentially deadly blow. But today she is doing well and crediting her faith with getting her through. Our Mike Glover has her story in tonight's Something Good. Sonia Blackburn has had health challenges her entire life. 
but there's a fighter in her that always overcomes. Born with cerebral palsy, and when I got into my 20s, I started developing different types of arthritis. Challenges are really nothing new for Sonia. I began physical therapy at the age of three, and it stayed with me throughout my life because of all the difficulties that I keep developing as I get older. So when her doctor noticed some problems with her blood work, he insisted on a mammogram. They did find something that was about the size, about three centimeters. Breast cancer, and the journey ahead would be tough, including chemotherapy and surgery. They wanted me to go ahead and they wanted to start doing a will. They wanted me to start preparing for anything that could happen. We knew that that was the type of cancer that we needed to treat aggressively, which is why she had chemotherapy up front before surgery. All said and done, Sonia would face three surgeries, but found peace in writing. I knew I was the one to whom they were talking. Take care of it now or wait until it hurts. She also found a special place in her church choir. The doctor said that your ability to sing was what saved your life because if you wouldn't have been able to gain your lungs back, you would have died. So through surgeries, chemotherapy, cerebral palsy, and many other challenges, Sonia was able to ring the cancer bell. Her active treatment plans are all completed as of now, and she's under surveillance. God has carried me through everything through my whole life. And the future for Sonia? As far as I'm always concerned, it always looks bright. Now, Sonia is not quite out of the cancer woods yet, but you kind of get the feeling she's going to be just fine. Defying the odds. That is something good. I'm Mike Glover for Oklahoma Zone. Can we give God a praise? <laughs> Cerebral palsy, cancer, arthritis, all, all of these things that have been attacking Sonia. And yet, what a great model for us that through it all, she just has constantly kept her gaze upon Jesus. I love what she said at the end. You know, it's just like, you know, you're, you're not out of the woods. It's, you know, this stuff may come back. And I love what Sonia said when she said, as for me, my future is always bright. And when you know who God is and what he has done for you in Jesus Christ, guess what? Your future, too, is always bright. Amen? I love that. I love that. Let me give you one last thought this morning. When we praise down in those pits, that praise and that giving of thanks becomes a life-giving fountain of hope. It becomes a life-giving fountain of hope to us and to others. It's a life-giving fountain of hope to ourselves and to others. Psalm 71, 14, read it with me. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. I want you to key in on that. I will always have hope hope. You know, when I, was, when I was camping on this thought last week, one of the things that hit me, and I never really thought this before, is that as we, as we praise God, particularly when life is hard and things are tough and, and difficult, as we praise God, there's like this exchange that goes on. We breathe out the praise and God breathes in the hope. And it's that hope that gives us the tenacity to hang on.
Does that make sense to you? But then what I realized is that that hope that God gives, it's not just hope for us, it's hope for people around us. I mean, how many of us, when we watched Sonia's testimony just a moment ago, weren't encouraged by what we heard? Some of us who are going through difficult stuff said, man, I've got some difficult stuff going on, but it is nothing like that. And, and yet that, that hope that she has breathes hope into us. And that's exactly what God does. So interesting, um, last week I was reading a few different stories about where certain songs come from, and, and it was so amazing to me. Um, the song we sang last week at the end of our service, the song says, Give Thanks. Remember that song? Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. And... Uh, you think, well, a guy named Henry Smith wrote that back in 1978. Where did, where did that song come from? What, you know, was he, had he just won the lottery? You know, and he just got that perfect job. What, what, what happened where he was giving thanks? You know what happened? Henry Smith had just graduated from seminary and made the discovery that he had a, de- a degenerative eye condition that was going to continually take his eyesight away. And because of that eye condition, he had a really hard time finding work. And as he, as he struggled, he, he, was, he was trying to figure out, no, what am I going to do? Lord, I went to seminary to serve you, and, and, and now I'm having a hard time doing it. And, and it was so interesting because it said that he, he was camping on 2 Corinthians 8, 9 one day. He was just spending some time in prayer, and he was just asking God to give him insight and wisdom. And here's, here's 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was very rich, for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty, you might be rich. And Henry Smith made this realization that no matter what he was going through, that God was with him and that God was going to continue to breathe into him. And so he sat and he he wrote that song, Give Thanks, with, with a grateful heart. That came out of a very difficult time, not a happy time. Or, or how about another song that I know many of you would be familiar with? There was a guy named Darlene, lives in Australia. And Australia has really heavy taxes. And one year she got, a, she got a tax bill she couldn't pay. And she was, again, she was really struggling. And she was going, God, what am I going to do? And so, again, rather than allow herself to kind of sink into depression, she, she decided to just really, you know, dig into God's word and let, let the word of God and the spirit of God speak to her. And, and she said she was, she was sitting down with Psalm 96 and she was, she was just reading and she was asking God to speak to her. And she said, as she did, these words just began to, to flow out of her heart. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the king. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Are you getting this? 
This, this song that how many of us have it touched our hearts and have we stood to our feet and cried as we've sang it because it means so much to us, but that came out of a dark time in, Char- in Darlene's life when she was at her lowest and God used this praise to well up hope in her and it breathed hope into us. Can I give you one more? A great songwriter I love by the name of Don Moen. And um, Don's family had a, had a tragic loss. A nephew that died in a car wreck and his family was just devastated. And Don said, you know, I, I was struggling. You know, young kids aren't supposed to die like that. And so he, he too just leaned into the Lord and said, Lord, I... I need you. I need you to draw near. I, I need you to speak some words that won't just be words of hope to me. My family's looking to me to give words of hope to them. And here's what the Lord gave Don Moen. I bet some of you know this song. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see and he will make a way for me. He will be my guide and hold me closely to his side with love and strength for each new day. He will make a way. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what trauma you may be facing. I don't know what setbacks you may have had. Here's what I do know. God is near He's right here this morning, folks. And you don't have to walk through it alone. I'm gonna ask my, my prayer partners, why don't you guys go ahead and come on to the front. And This morning, if you're walking through a place and, and you just need someone to pray with you, it could be a, a physical situation, could be a, a relational difficulty, could be a financial situation, you know, Maybe you got bad news from the doctor. Maybe you've just been struggling emotionally and going through stuff and, and trying, just trying to get on top. And maybe you found yourself caving in. And, and this morning, you, again, you don't get to decide all the things that happened to you. Look at me. But you do get to decide how to respond to that. And you can respond to your difficulty today with prayer and with praise. I promise you, There is power in prayer, and there is power in praise. We're going to sing an old, old song. It's a beautiful song. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. And this morning, if you would like someone to pray with you, our prayer partners are here. I want you to feel freedom to slip out and come to one of them. They'll be happy to pray with you about anything on your mind or you can pray right where you are. This morning, maybe there's some of us that just want to sing this song as a song of victory and as a song of praise and say, Lord, this is my testimony. It is really sweet to trust in you. Everybody look at me for a second. Please hear my heart. You are only alone if you choose to be. You're surrounded by people today who would be more than happy to come alongside of you with whatever you're going through. And you have a God who loves you more than you could possibly imagine. 
And so this morning again, after we close the service out, if you want someone to pray with you, I'll be out in the lobby. Our staff will be around. We would count that a privilege. But I also want to let you know, cry out to God. David over and over again says, I prayed to the Lord, and guess what? He answered me.